0: church happy birthday to you happy birthday to you happy birthday dear church happy birthday to you it's pentecost sunday the church was born on this day come on somebody celebrate you didn't know it was your birthday did you aren't you glad you showed up surprise surprise birthday party for the church Who's? Kyler. Oh, Kyler! Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday, dear Kyler! Happy birthday to you! Anyone else in the room? Anyone else? Tuesday. Let, no, I gotta. I gotta move on with the sermon. Call me Tuesday. I'll sing to you. Is it Stevens on Tuesday? Wait for it. Just wait for it. It's good to be back. It is so good to be back. We were on vacation. Um got a little break, and um, I'm glad to be home. We had a great time, though. We did, I tell you, adventure, I have so much adventure in my life because of my wife. She finds these crazy things that she wants to do, and I say yes. Um, and I end up liking it. I generally, what's the word? Um, I'm hesitant. As we head into it, and then I realize I like it and I love it and I want to do it again. We went uh, primitive camping. Camping's nothing new to us. We camp at the beach all the time. Uh, but when I go to sleep at night, I've never been afraid of a shark coming out of the water to eat me. Uh, but primitive camping in the mountains of West Virginia, where uh, we had several warnings about bears and even sweet Allie, Kurt told us, warned us about bears and told us not to cook our food in our clothes and take the clothes out and. I had all of this to-do list to make sure that my family came back safe, and we all made it back all right. Didn't see a single bear, actually. Didn't see a single. Thank you, Greg Smoot. That means a lot coming from you. Uh, Greg is our, our in-house primitive camper. He, he's a nature guy. Uh, we had a great We had a great time. We went whitewater rafting, um, which is a lot different than Schlitterbahn. I brought a couple of pictures, can I show you real quick? The first picture I want to show you is before the whitewater rafting. And we're, we're looking spiffy, Michaela and Lawrence there, Tristan got to go. Sadly, Jordan and Addison had to work, so we hated missing them, but uh, we, weren't gonna we weren't going to say we weren't going, because they couldn't go. But anyway, that's the only family in the picture right there, and we didn't know what we're getting into. We did just get out of an hour and a half training on all the things that we need to do if we want to die and see Jesus today. Uh, So it was pretty concerning. My heart's racing. We were all right with Jesus before we got onto the raft. I was a nervous wreck, so much so that um, I jumped in. Once he assigned positions on our raft, our guide, I jumped into the boat while we were still on the land. Uh, he explained I have to get out of the boat get the boat in the water and then get into the boat uh, The next picture you see I'm in one of the the front positions there The front left is myself carries behind me Lawrence is behind Carrie Tristan was on the other right side And then Michaela and then two other people from Pennsylvania. It was all our first time, huh? Connecticut well, yeah somewhere <laughs> up there and um And we we were having a blast, and it was a lot of fun. Um, And and as we would go into the waves, they would just cover us. And I brought another picture of such an event. Um, We're still in the raft, but the waves are over us. And uh, one bit of training as as I was... It's not rowing. What do you call it? Paddling. They said... um, you, you set your right foot and you set your left foot and you position it just right and then your, your, your hip is on the side. We didn't sit in the boat. I thought that was stupid. We sit on the side of the boat and we dig in and they explained to me that as you have your paddle and you dig into the oncoming wave, it actually anchors you into the raft. And I thought, interesting. They said the most people that fall out are the people that decide that paddling is too hard or they're too scared of falling out of the raft, they're more likely to fall out of the raft. Well, I almost, you know, I didn't, I didn't fall out at all, but I almost did on the first one or two, and it's pretty intimidating, Romy, I'm not gonna lie. And I remembered that one piece of advice. And so in the next big wave that came, I took my paddle in the front and, and I'm just ready. And then I just dig it into the wave and I you know, pull it back. And as I did, I noticed it anchored me in the boat. So from every wave there on out, I was less terrified because I just knew all I got to do is I got to anchor myself in the boat by participating in the game. I just got to get my head in the game. And I thought about all of us here at the church and how sometimes we encounter these waves that just seem to smash us. The instructor told us we had about 12 impacts equivalent to a 10 mile an hour car accident as we were going through this, how many miles, 13 miles, 27 rapids and 13 miles, I believe. Um, And I just wonder how many of us, if when the storms come, when the waves come, if rather than running to hide, being tired and worn out of the fight, afraid that we're going to fall out of the raft, if we just get ready for that wave one more time. And we understand that we're anchored not so much in our own ability, but just by continuing to take one more step, continuing to show up, continuing to say yes, continuing to pray, continuing to read the word, continuing to to worship. So I'm excited about today on Pentecost Sunday. It's just one more opportunity for you and I to take that paddle and just slam it in the wave that's in your face. Amen. Well, that wasn't my sermon, but it was good anyway. I And technically, my sermon timer hasn't even started, so I've still got the full 40 minutes, guys. The Lord shall provide. I am so proud of our university and high school graduates. They have... Yeah, so many of them. Listen, if you know one, please get them here next Sunday because I want to honor them publicly in the church and I want to pray over them and just celebrate them. So if you know any high school graduate or university graduate, please get them here next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Deal? Also, I want to remind you, since I'm on the topic of young people and um, rafting, camp is coming up. Youth Revival Camp is in Spicewood, Texas, and... Uh, July, July 8th through the 11th. We hope that you're all going to come. Uh, Registration deadline is June 15th, June 15th. The cost is a measly $325, $325. It's a small investment for a lifetime of change. And I just want to tell you, I, I can say measly with such confidence because in the 12 years of the Exchange Church, not once, have we ever told a child they can't go to camp because of funds? Money has never been a limiting factor for any student that's ever wanted to go to camp. I, that's, we have a 100% record of sending kids to camp that wanna go to camp. And that's not gonna change this year, all right? so. If you need help getting your student to camp, we have fundraising opportunities and options, and we've got people in this house that are very generous when it comes to getting kids to camp because they believe in the next generation. So you just let us know. Email pedro, P-E-D-R-O, pedro at theexchangechurch.org if you have any questions regarding camp. All right? Can we get on to the message? Somehow I've lost some time. Let's stand to our feet. (laughs) Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body, look at your neighbor and say one body. Each of us has one body with many members. And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. Look at your neighbor and say one body. And each member belongs to all the others. You are not your own. If you are a part of this church body, you are not your own. Let me keep reading. Because that's not really popular. <laughs> we, what's popular, Jen, is this, this individual Christianity. Yeah. But that's actually not scriptural. Right. You get to heaven with your individual salvation, but you can't be a part of a body on your own. Really I'm just saying, yeah. Jesus didn't die for individuals. He died for the body. Yes. Anyway. But that's a whole other issue can you imagine Chad if just a pinky existed on its own if a pinky came to church weird if they're in worship you got my mom back there worshiping you got Pedro on four and then you got a pinky power of one father we come before you today i thank you so much god just for the i don't know the sense of family that i feel in the room right now i just sense that you are encouraging hearts in the room that you are are challenging us to take one more wave to stay in the raft to keep paddling god you're helping us to look around and see we're not in the boat alone We're not doing this alone. We're on a team. We're in a family. God, I ask that you would just root in our heart this notion of oneness, wholeness, completeness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Dr. John Getty, a Presbyterian missionary, went to an island in the South Pacific. It was the southernmost island of Vanuatu um, in 1848. And in 1848, he went there, and he worked for God for 24 years. And then he passed away, and they created this tablet, and they put it in the church where he pastored for 24 years. And the tablet where he preached reads this. It says, when he landed in 1848, there were no Christians. When he left in 1872, there were no heathen. There is power in one. There's power in one. I mean, you're here today. You woke up this morning. You woke up again. You got dressed again. There is power in one. Last week, I submitted a plea to you for a plus one determination. I don't know if you were here because I wasn't here. But it is online, and I would love for you to watch the sermon. It was a video sermon that I had pre-recorded for you because God had placed something on my heart. I had been kind of birthing this notion of a plus one um, philosophy that I want our church to focus on in the coming six months, seven months, 12 months. Just plus one, a, a plus one determination, right? I'm not asking you to do everything you're not doing. I'm just saying do one more step. Take one more step of commitment, and whatever that looks like for you, I gave an example of attendance, and thank you for being here, by the way. I know it costs you something to show up today, Um, besides fixing your hair, brushing your teeth, getting dressed. Like, that's a cost. It's a legitimate cost. Um, For those that are watching online, you may not have had to do that, Uh, but you woke up, and that's a cost, and I appreciate you being present and fully engaged in our service today. For those of you in the room, there's an additional cost that I, I just want to bring to the table. Gas. Gas is expensive. It costs you a lot more today to come to church than it would have cost you a couple months ago to come to church. The costs are increasing to come to church. And on the surface, it may not seem so bad that a person misses one or two services a month. But when a sizable portion of a congregation doesn't attend as frequently as they used to, it then looks like the church is dying. Do you know what I mean? It creates... A very tangible impact on the attendees that are showing up. And even worse, on the guests that are showing up. The guests that I'm inviting, the guests that you're inviting. We want them to walk into a house that is full of life and full of momentum and people that are talking and hanging out before service and after service. But when we sporadically come to church, it appears that the church is somehow dying. There's a significant collective impact when we choose not to have a plus one framework for church attendance. I'll give you a simple exercise uh, that bears this out. Let's pretend that Church A is a church of 400 people, 400 people, and four out of four people in Church A attend every single Sunday. Now, first of all, can we just admit attending every Sunday seems like a huge commitment, doesn't it? I mean, come on, you got to be honest with me. It seems like, wow, can I really, and I'm not asking you to do this. You're all thinking this is a trick question. It's not a trick question. But it seems like to have plans every Sunday to be in the house of the Lord seems like a huge commitment. When I was growing up, we were in the house of the Lord two to three times a week, Two to three, we were in church, and this is not to shame anybody. I just want us to see how culture and how our habits have shifted our expectations of the house of the Lord. When I was growing up, we were in the house of the Lord as many times as the average Christian is in the house of the Lord in two months. Most people today attend twice a month And, and Quite honestly, if you're doing that, we would give you a high five and say, that's awesome, thanks for your faithfulness, because culture wants to pull us away from gathering. But this church, with 400 people, four out of four come every single Sunday, so their attendance numbers are what every Sunday? 400, yes, some of you needed some math help on that one. (laughs) That's pretty easy, but then we go to church B, they have 400 people as well. But three, every one of them attend three out of the four Sundays. So three out of the four Sundays they attend. That's still pretty good attendance. When you say some of you are like, I wish I could come at three out of four. That's really good. I mean, most pastors today would dream for their people to come three out of four Sundays in a month. It's still not bad. But this attendance frequency means that the church averages 300 people on a Sunday. We just saw a 25% drop in what the attendance feels like in the room because of a minus one. And then we've got Church C, 400 people. And Church C attends on average two out of four weeks. And to be honest, that's probably the average of most churches today. Their their typical member attends two out of four. And that was pre-COVID. Post-COVID, I don't even know those numbers. I don't even think we know those numbers because we have people claiming to be in the church that we haven't seen in two years. Do you know what I mean? And so there are different ways to interact. The people that watch online live, I get the benefit of seeing they're watching, but I don't get the benefit of seeing the people who watch the replay on Monday. I don't know who's watching on Tuesday or on Wednesday, but yet they feel connected to us. Do you see how... Times are shifting. Gathering has become more difficult, even if we remove the high gas prices. But church C, with 400 people attending two out of the four, their average weekly attendance is 200 people. So when you step onto a campus with a church of 400, and the attendance is 200, and it's a different 200 every time. So you don't get to make the same connections that you did. Oh, I talked to Radimus this week, but then I'm here next week and he's not, or he's here and I'm not, and maybe we mix. I mean, I see Radimus for another two months, and it's really hard to build family that way. Can you imagine being married or having your kids show up at your house to eat dinner once every two months? But in the church, that's the foundation. We're building family is this you know, if I see you, I see you, and if I don't, I don't. And the problem is, is when you stop coming, no one notices anymore. Because we don't know based on consistency if you're here or not, or maybe you're here when I'm not here. Does this make sense to you? The good news is, there's a really easy and quick solution to this problem. I've thought about it a lot. It's just plus one. Plus if you just come to service one more time a month than you're currently coming, it can double what it feels like in the room. If church C only came one more time than they were, it would feel double in the room. Are you, are you with me? Plus one is easy to do. In fact, how many of you today weren't going to come, but because you heard of the plus one last week, you said, this is going to be my plus one. I'm going to get it out of the way. Uh, anybody? Nobody. Nobody. Okay. 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 I, do, I did hear that many of you stood for the plus one last week, so thank you for doing that. I think that it's really important that you and I focus on attendance. Attendance? Attendance? I don't know if I said this last week. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, the big limiting factor of churches globally right now is frequency. Attendance, frequency. That is the thing that is crippling churches, not just in America, not just in Austin, globally. It's the frequency of attendance. And so if we together can solve that problem, a lot of the other problems that we may have as a church will naturally work themselves out. That is the power of one, though. One, just one more service can help us solve the biggest global problem the church is facing right now. Plus one, there is power in One. One seems like singular, and in the case of coming to one more service, it's like your decision. It seems singular, but in our text today, we're not talking about the power of one as in you. We're talking about the power of one as in us, as in us being whole, us being the body. Paul begins by encouraging the Romans to present their bodies as a living sacrifice to God, their spiritual worship. And then Paul turns to a different body, the body of Christ, to which the Romans belong. Each member of the body enjoys gifts to be used for the benefit of the others. Now, in verses 3 through 8, the text that we just read, this is the expression of sacrifice in the church. So you want to know what it looks like to uh, sacrifice for the church? These are your verses, verses 3 through 8. Right? The first thing that you need to do to sacrifice for the church, to build the church, is the renewed mind's view of self. This is verses, uh, verse 3. It says, For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Think of yourself soberly. Don't think of yourself too highly. Don't think of yourself too lowly. You know, in, in the church, it's it seems pretty obvious to recognize pride. When somebody walks in with a haughty attitude, there's no one here, by the way. There's no one online that has a haughty attitude to, to my knowledge. But, you know, you can kind of see when somebody walks in and they think they're just all that in a bag of chips. Do we still say that, young people? That was a... A while back but you know it's kind of easy when you you sense someone has pride or arrogance you know what i mean arrogant people um but but we forget that insecurity is really just a cover for pride a lot of us feel sorry for ourselves when we feel insecure sorry for the person who is insecure but don't let the insecurity fool you it's still pride I'll notice someone, you'll notice someone walking down the aisle if they're filled with pride, right? All, all eyes, look at me. Look at me walking into church. I'm going to sit on the front row. Look at me. And you sit down and you think, hmm, they've got an issue. But then you've got another person walking down the other aisle. And what do they do? I don't want anyone to look at me. Let me just get in the back third row and sit down. I don't want anyone to see me. And you would think they're insecure, but they're not. They're filled with pride, thinking everyone's looking at them, enter church. Insecurity is just a cover for pride. If we really want to build the church, we've got to view ourselves in light of God's mercy. Don't think of yourself too highly. Don't think of yourself too lowly. You've got to be the right size. The third or second is the renewed mind's view of others, verses 4 and 5. It says, just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to the others. Think about that next time you're gossiping about Joe. Do we have a Joe in the room? Thank you, Lord. every time we put down talk about gossip about someone we're hurting the body we're not exposing joe we're damaging the bride the bride that jesus died for by the way you might want to be careful i just think it's funny when people say i love jesus but i can't stand the church oh really that's like you walking up to me and saying, Pastor, I love you, but your wife is hideous. Isn't it the same, Stephen? Oh, Jesus, I love you, but that bro- the church can't stand her. And Jesus said, really, I think she's pretty special. I think she's so special that I gave my life for her. It is impossible for us to talk badly about someone else in the church and not damage the bride of Christ. And then the third is the will of God for the church. We're beginning a series, this is the first of a few, talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And God does have a purpose and a plan for the global church. Believe it or not, it's not just so that you and I can show up to good music and a a great sermon. It's so that you and I can invade the earth and bring heaven here and introduce people to salvation, so you and I can walk in purpose. Like, God has a will for the church. Verses 6 through 8 gives us some insight. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, prophesying is basically, um, it's pretty clear in the Old Testament what prophets were. They spoke on behalf of God. They were the the mouthpiece of God today in this dispensation. uh, Prophets, uh, every one of you should be a prophet. A prophet is just simply speaking God's word over a situation, speaking God's perspective over a situation. Um, God wishes that we all would prophesy, right? Um, If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, do I have any serving servers Gift of servers in the room, serving gifts in the room. Any serving gifts? One, Leander. Two, two, three. Good. Four, five. Couple. There should be more than that. If only five people have a gift of serving in this church, we are in trouble. If it is teaching, let them teach. Any teachers in the room? Any teachers? Any teachers in the room? Uh, any teachers? Oh, Romy! Teachers: Pedro, Teacher Carrie, Greg, Chad, Leander, Dana. I don't know if you raise your hand. I just know Chris. Uh, any other teachers? Teachers doesn't mean t- uh, teaching gift doesn't mean you have a microphone. You can be a father of this house, imparting fatherhood into young men and teaching them what it means to be a man, and you have a teaching grace on your life. Does this help you understand a bit more? A teaching gift isn't about a pulpit. I know a lot of preachers who don't have a teaching gift. I'm, I, do I, I think I have a teaching gift. But more importantly is the teaching gift that happens out in the hallway or before service or after service, or when you go out for coffee during the week, and this iron sharpening iron and getting together, like passing down from one generation to another, this, this thing we call living a Christian life, right? Teaching, let him teach. Good grief, the enemy does not want you teaching. He doesn't want you imparting. He doesn't want you multiplying. He wants you to just be a big old funnel like a cake with too much sugar and the sugar just keeps pouring in, pouring in, pouring in, pouring in and the funnel never closes off the sugar, it just keeps receiving and then it creates a cake that can't be eaten. If you just continually consume, 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 you're not healthy. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. Anyone have the gift of encouragement? A few of you. Oh, good, yeah. Awesome. Anyone have the gift of discouragement? <laughs> Just kidding. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. Anyone have the gift of giving? We have a lot in this. By the way, it doesn't mean giving a lot of money. Giving, it doesn't mean giving a lot of anything. <laughs> Having the gift of giving has nothing to do with quantity. It has to do with your heart. When you give, do you get giddy? Do you know what I mean? When you give that last candy bar to a little kid, does it just make your day? Do you know? That's a gift of giving anyway. If it is leadership, let him govern. I love that word. Let him govern diligently. Anyone have a gift of leadership? Very nice. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Anyone have a gift of mercy? This is probably my biggest gift. My biggest gift. By the way, your biggest gift, overextended, becomes your biggest weakness. All right. That's God's will for the church. But there are other verses. Some of you are like, I don't think I have any of those gifts. Are there more options? (laughs) Luckily for you, there is. There is. And you will have to write this down because I'm not going to go through it, but... There are other verses that communicate gifts in Scripture, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 31, lists some gifts. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16, lists some gifts. 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11 lists some gifts. I'll just go ahead and tell you that one. That one's uh, administration. We got any pencil pushers in the room? Be proud. God has gifted you. Um, any, any other, just one, admin, administrative person? Oh, Chris, Chris, awesome, awesome. Chris, I think you've lifted your hand on every one of these. You have the gift of confidence, too. No, I'm just kidding. I actually see all of these. Um, what is it that you're, you're a, what's the title of your, you can do a lot in everything, what do they call that? What's that? No, it's not. There's a word for it. Renaissance man. There, there it is. He's a renaissance man. That's right. It was, he's like, yes, I'm that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I used to tell people I was a jack of all trades, master of none. You heard of that say- saying? And it just really annoyed me. I felt like I was good at a lot of things, just not great at many. And so I had to really hone some things and decide what I was what I was going to be great at versus what I was going to be good at. Chris actually is great at, at all of those things. I'm just not. I know just enough that can get me in trouble in a lot of things. Uh, which reminds me of a, a saying by the author of Gulliver's Travels. He said, we have just enough religion to make us hate, but not enough to make us love one another. And this is a point I want to pull out In my remaining minutes, just some thoughts I have on our text today. One thought that I want us to get is that gifts flow out of a renewed mind and relational health. Too many people are looking for gifts when God is calling them to renew their mind and fix their relationships. Get home to that woman and make things right. Get home to that man and make things right. Get home to that parent or those kids and make things right. We're we're chasing all the gifts without building bridges in relationships. And gifts travel on the bridges of the relationships we build. Gifts can be messy already. Gifts are very messy. It takes growth. It takes practice. It's not always right. I think of people learning, say, the gift of word of knowledge or the gift of prophecy or the gift of healing good grief how many people do i pray for that don't get healed i, I gotta I, i'm practicing and i'm doing it because i know that god is a healer how, how many words have i given in my life that i thought were god turns out i was wrong I, i've had a number of those happen because gifts can be messy you gotta mature into it it takes practice and sometimes we make a mistake but there's a difference between messy and muddy muddy is when we try to use gifts when we're not walking in relational health and we are refusing to have a renewed mind this is why you can find people don't be impressed when somebody can look at a crowd and call someone out and tell them what they ate for breakfast you ever seen a prophet do that they hey you you have on blue underwear You cried last night. You had cinnamon toast crunch for breakfast. You cut yourself in the backyard and you're thinking, wow, this person hears from God. The gifts of God are without repentance. They are irrevocable. A gift of God on someone's life has no indication on their intimacy with Christ. I need you to hear me because we get really caught up in these people who can prophesy. And I love prophecy. I am one. I'm not a prophecy. I'm a prophet. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I love it. I prayed for that gift as a kid because I was enamored by it. And even in my worst moments of life, I still had the gift. The worst decisions I've made in my life. I could still prophesy. Hear me. The power is not in the gift. The power is in the gift traveling on healthy relationships, traveling on a renewed mind. Next point we need to walk away with, gifts are an extension of God, not an extension of us. (laughs) Oh, man. We just need to get that. Your gift is not about you. It's about God needing to release something on earth. It's not about how trained you are, how talented you are, how on key you are, how eloquent you are, how crafty you are. It actually really has nothing to do with you. You happen to have said yes to Jesus, so good on you for that. But the gift that flows out of you is an extension of him, not of you. And my final point, gift builds the body. Your gifts build the body. Any gift that is given to you is not not for you. It's for the body. Diversity in the church. I said from day one I wanted diversity. It, it's been in our founding documents. My family is uh, racially diverse. Um, diverse in age. She's older than me. Just by a little, just by a little. Um, Where's I going? I suddenly feel like I'm in trouble. Sometimes you got to put the paddle down. Focus, Trey, focus. Oh, diversity was our heart for this church. And I think the Lord has blessed us with that. But we' never wanted it to be diverse for the sake of diversity, as if it's a trophy to be won. The purest form of diversity is a diversity that builds unity. A diversity that, because you're different than me, you actually bring to the table a different dessert than I did. A different side dish than I did. Do you know what I mean? Gifts build the body, and this underscores the importance of attendance frequency. Because if you really understood the gift that you brought to the table, you would understand that when you're not here, somebody's not eating the food God wanted you to provide. Every gift matters. Every gift matters. I talked about the church being born today. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we get to step into these gifts. And over the next few weeks, because I'm out of time today, I want to unpack what some of these gifts look like. But today is Pentecost Sunday. Well, technically, we celebrate it as Pentecost Sunday. Um, It's not really Pentecost Sunday, biblically, but it's okay. That's That's another subject. Well, can I tell you why real quick? That's interesting to me. Leviticus 23 talks about all the feasts and tells you how to count the days. And um, the way that you count Pentecost is the morrow after the whole Sabbath, count seven Sabbaths. And a Sabbath, another lesson, what day is Sabbath? What day is Sabbath? Sabbath. No. What day is Sabbath? No. No. What day is Sabbath? Huh? No. Are you Jewish? Okay, then yes for you. <laughs> what day is Sabbath? This is a trick question because it's not a day of the week. It's not a day of the week. There is a weekly Sabbath, one day a week. One day a week you should not work and you should rest and you should restore. This is the pattern of the creation of earth. It, it rejuvenates you. God. God established it, but the biblical Sabbath is actually based on the moon. So when you see the first sliver of the moon, that's day one, right? When there is no moon, that's a Sabbath. The first sliver of the moon is day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven. On day seven is a Sabbath, which is half a moon. When you see half a moon in the sky, that is a biblical Sabbath. Then you keep going another seven days and it's a full moon. When you see a full moon, it is a biblical Sabbath, right? Now, guys, you can't call into work every full moon and say, this is a Sabbath the Lord shall provide, all right? The full moon is a Sabbath. Then you go another seven days, and it's the second half of the moon, another half moon. That's a biblical Sabbath. And then you go down, you see that sliver, and then when there's no moon, it's a Sabbath, all right? So the Pentecost is actually based on you know, the Jewish people would say that Friday night to Saturday night is a Sabbath. Uh, Seventh-day Adventists would tell you that Saturdays need to be worshipped. You need to worship on Saturday because that's the Sabbath. Um, many of us in the, in the evangelical world might say that Sunday is the Sabbath. It's the Lord's Day. Um, and there's biblical reasons why we worship on Sundays as well. But even Sunday is, is not the Sabbath. The Sabbath is based on the moon cycle. So we're celebrating Pentecost today. But the real Pentecost is somewhere around the 14th or 15th. The full moon is on the 14th of this month. So next week, you've got about a week and a half. And so I'm actually praying that over this week and a half, as we head into the biblical Pentecost, that God will stir some gifts in you. As you see the moon at night, head towards the full moon. I want you to think of yourself every night. Look up at that moon and I want you to think when that moon gets full, The Lord is releasing new gifts on my life. Let that be your reminder this week that he has something full for you. A life that is full. Full measure, filled with gifts. Will you stand to your feet? One thing for sure about Pentecost, it's a harvest festival. It's one of the three where all men had to go to Jerusalem and make the presence known. It's a day of gratitude. It's a day of thankfulness. It's a day to celebrate diversity, unity, and maturity in the church. Father, in Jesus' name, I come before you today. I thank you. God, I thank you that you actually came to establish a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. God, I look across the room and I'm so grateful for the people that have joined arms and called themselves family in this local congregation. God, I'm looking now at the people online that are part of our congregation. They have linked their hearts with ours. God, I thank you for that as well. <clears throat> God, I'm thinking of all the people in our congregation, our church family, the people that we love that are, that are out sick, some of them in the hospital. God, we just speak healing over them today. For Nelson, who's in the hospital after suffering a small stroke, God, we just speak healing over his body. In Jesus' name, we thank you that he's receiving healing in his hands. God, we just thank you that you're restoring, you're making all things new over him in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus to Lydia and Jennifer and any others in the congregation that are not feeling well, that are sick. God, we just release healing over them in Jesus' name. God, I just thank you that there is power in the unity of the saints. God, when a a local congregation stands before your throne, God, I just thank you that, that our request is heard today. God, I just thank you, God, that you move because of our faith. For the person in the room that feels like they are giftless today that everyone else has a gift but them god i just ask you to move on their heart in the coming days as this as they look up at night and see the moon as they think about pentecost over the next seven days 14 days god that you will just remind them that holy spirit came for them too he came to give them power too so god i thank you god For the power that's released among us, that flows through us, all for the glory of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say, amen. 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 Well, thank you guys for being here today on one of the Pentecost Sundays. We love you so much. We will see you next week. Now that you've been to church, go be the church. God bless you.